Are you tired of spending countless hours in the kitchen every week trying to figure out what to make and constantly overspending on takeout? My guide, Well Prepped, is here to revolutionize your mealtime routine by offering you the perfect solution. Prep once, cook twice, and enjoy delicious, macro-friendly meals all week long. The food struggle is real. You want to eat well-balanced meals that taste good. You want to make most of your meals at home, but don't want to be a slave to your kitchen. You know you should be eating more protein, but don't know how in the world to get it in. You're overwhelmed with just choosing a recipe you have saved, so you end up getting takeout again. Insert well-prepped, a guide I created to take the guesswork out of efficiently making delicious, macro-friendly meals. This guide provides you with eight weeks of recipes. Each week, you'll prep once for 30 minutes, cook twice, and then enjoy eating all week. That's right. The two recipes will make you a total of six meals. I even made Instacart links for all the weekly groceries you'll need so you don't even need to think about grocery shopping. I'm all about saving time, money, and mental energy when it comes to feeding my family healthy meals, and now I get to share that with you. Grab your copy of Well Prepped at aishazaza.com. And from my kitchen to yours, cheers to eating well and being well prepped. Welcome to the Mindset Mile podcast, the show that'll leave you empowered to take action towards becoming the turned up version of your already awesome self. I'm your host, Aisha Zaza, and I'm so glad you're here. Let's go. Hey, friends, welcome back to the Mindset Mile podcast. I know this time of year can be especially hectic, but I hope that you're finding a few minutes every day to be by yourself and find peace and be intentional. It doesn't need to be much. It can be writing down three things you're grateful for, reading 10 pages out of a book, a five-minute meditation, a mile walk, whatever you're doing to fill your cup, even if it's listening to this podcast. I'm here for it, and I'm so proud of you. Today, we're going to talk about a really awful disease. It's called discouragement. The thing about this disease is that nobody gets away without getting it. It's universal, and it attacks even those of us with naturally upbeat personalities, and it destroys everything. Discouragement ruins relationships. It ruins businesses. It ruins culture. It ruins progress. It makes parenting more difficult. It serves absolutely no good. And even more, discouragement always feels like it's something happening to us instead of something we can control. A couple months back, I was battling my own discouragement pretty badly. And as some of you may know, we live in Santa Barbara, but the closest family we have is about four hours away. My immediate family is up in Northern California, but besides that, the rest of my husband's immediate family and my extended family are all on the East Coast. So there were like two months or so where I was looking for childcare help for my daughter, who is 15 months old now. I was looking for someone to come to the house like three times a week for about five hours And for the life of me, I couldn't find anyone whose schedule it was compatible with or that was going to be in town long term or that it just we meshed with, yada, yada. Being a working mom is hard. Being a stay-at-home mom is hard. It's all hard sometimes. In my case, I'm a stay-at-home working mom. (laughs) I've worked remotely for about six years now, which is a huge blessing because I love that I can work from anywhere. 
except for when it's in my 900 square foot home with a toddler who at the time was just learning to walk and developed a personality of a three-year-old. She is on the go. If you're a parent, you know it's nearly impossible to actually work at the same time you're looking after a toddler, let alone pee by yourself. Anyway, I'm not going to go on and on about the balancing act that comes with managing a household with kids, but on top of work, I had some pretty ambitious personal and creative projects I was trying to work on that had to be set to the wayside, but let me tell you, it's challenging being ambitious or just having ambitions when you don't have the time or resources to be. I felt like I was spinning my wheels trying to do everything, only barely chipping away at everything, feeling like I wasn't doing a great job at anything, but being mediocre at everything. I felt frustrated that the majority of the parenting loan was falling on me because I didn't have the solution for childcare yet. And I was just feeling really discouraged about it. I felt like the phase I was in was going to last forever. And then I might as well forget everything else I wanted to do outside of being a mom. But it was just that a phase. And I'm happy to say I found a wonderful Montessori daycare that my daughter goes to three times a week, and we all absolutely love it. I love my daughter more than anything, but sometimes I just really love doing a basic thing like washing a dish without my attention being divided. If you know, you know. You know what I'm saying? Reflecting on that time, I realized how high of expectations I had of myself. There's a number of reasons why we feel discouraged. But this is one surefire recipe to get there. I was reminded how easily it is to slip down a discouragement spiral when it feels like you can't get a big chunk of something done, then what's the point of even doing any of it? So for example, I would not take the 30 or 45 minutes I had while my daughter was napping to work or to study, and instead I'd do something not as urgent I know I could get done, like clean up the house or organize a drawer or fold the laundry and so on. Granted, these are all things I wanted to get done, but they are not urgent. And there's a difference between things that are important versus things that are urgent. But they were still things that were taking up space in my brain. So offloading them felt better than doing a fraction of something. But literally doing a fraction of something is exactly what progress is. So when you get discouraged and begin to do less of what you need to be doing to move the needle forward, whether that's with your side hustle or your job or the book you're writing, it just breeds more discouragement. It's a cycle that will go on and on and on and make you feel hopeless. Can you relate? I just recently read a book by Ray Johnston called The Hope Quotient. When I first heard of the book, I was skeptical because hope to me almost feels like you know, it's a wish. And wishing for things to be different is simply an energy drain if there's no action behind it. But this book actually gave me a completely different outlook on what it means to have hope and how it is the basis for everything we do. In part of his book, he goes through seven ways to raise your hope quotient. And it was so good. I had to read this multiple times. So I want to share them with you because these are all things I've actually employed before, but never realized how synonymous they were to restoring hope, which makes life so much freaking better. So the first one is recharge your batteries. Running on empty is a bad life strategy. When you're drained, you're far more susceptible to toxic emotions, fear, anxiety, and discouragement. So what drains you? 
And more importantly, what fuels you? If you're spending little to no time doing something that makes you recharged, you're going to need to bump that up to the top of your priorities. And as I mentioned in the beginning of the episode, it doesn't need to take much time, but a few minutes every day to focus on the things that bring you peace, meditation, a bath, read a few pages of your book before you go to bed instead of watching TV, whatever that is for you, make it a priority. The second, raise your expectations. He says, you don't get what you deserve. You get what you expect. I know this may sound a little woo-woo or too easy to be true, and I'm not saying that this is like a genie that's going to deliver Starbucks because you expect a Starbucks, but really expect better. Expect opportunities to come your way if you're putting in the work. Expect to feel happy. Expect that things will get hard, but that you can do hard things with grace. Expect that your relationship with your kids or your partner will improve if you lead with love and empathy. Expect that you'll get the acting gig. Expect that you are in demand. Raising your expectations means believing your best days are ahead of you, regardless of your success that you've had in the past. The third is refocus on the future. Everything changes when we ask the question, am I able to see things not as they are right now, but in terms of what they can become. I'll say that one more time. Am I able to see things not as they are right now, but in terms of what they can become? This one was a total like, whoa moment for me because it made me think of all the times I've ever compounded problems because of how things felt in the moment. You know, when something isn't working or feels like it's not on the trajectory you want, it's just so easy to feel like it will remain that way or it won't change which is just so frustrating. But when you refocus on the future, you will start to see toward that end. Nobody moves forward well when they are looking backward or living in a tough present moment, believing that things won't get better. The fourth, play to your strengths. Stop talking about and focusing on what you're bad at. I think all too often, people think that they need to get better at things they aren't great at. But most of the time, we actually don't put in the consistent effort to improve those skills, yet we still get frustrated when they surface. Instead, focus on strengthening the things you're good or you're great at. Become an expert at them. What are your God-given talents? Start applying those strengths in your life. And this example really put this into perspective for me. He says, write your name and then write it again with the opposite hand. Do you want to go through life writing with the wrong hand? Play your strengths. Number five, refuse to go it alone. The success of your life is largely determined by the equipment you use. You wouldn't try to fight a forest fire with a squirt gun, right? So outsource some tasks if you can. Can you get someone to clean your house once a month? Should you consider a grocery delivery service? Can you hire someone to manage your social media and marketing? I understand these things usually come at a teetering point where it's kind of the chicken or the egg. What comes first? Do you need to make a little bit more money before you hire or do you need to hire before you can make a little bit more money? And maybe extending any amount of finances to get back some of your time to reinvest back into your business or yourself doesn't seem like you can afford it. But I want you to consider this. Can you afford not to? There are so many apps and services to make our lives easier if we maximize them. You don't need to outsource everything, but what will you get back and what will you be able to double or quadruple if you do? 
He also says to build and foster relationships. We all need someone to lean on every once in a while. These are some of the most important relationships of our lives. And lastly, build a network of people who are vision casters, soul sharpeners, models and mentors, heart healers, and tail kickers. So refuse to go it alone. Number six, replace burnout with balance. Be honest with yourself. Is your pace of life out of control? If you want peace of mind, better health, better relationships, to be more productive, if you want less stress, if you want to enjoy yourself more, and if you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, then you need a new pace. What can you take off your plate? Are you dropping the right balls? Because some things in life are glass balls and some things are rubber balls. Write these out so you can see them on paper and what you really need to be focusing on. Examples of glass balls might include your health, your job, your relationship, your faith, or even exercise. Some rubber balls might include social time, cleaning, gardening, I don't know, what are they? But don't break the glass balls. And last, seven, play great defense. This one, whew, are you bitter or resentful? Ray Johnston says that resentment will not only kill you, but it will also make you crazy first. Do you worry a lot or have anxiety? Another truth bomb. He says, worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. Man, that is so true. Guilt. Rid yourself of guilt. Do you know anyone riddled with guilt who feels the slightest sense of hope? Let it go. In order to play great defense, we cannot be weighed down by these things. Okay, I know that was a lot, but honestly, this is just the tip of the iceberg of how hope can literally turn your life around. To recap, in order to raise your hope quotient, you need to one, recharge your batteries, two, raise your expectations, three, refocus on the future, four, play to your strengths, five, refuse to go it alone, six, replace burnout with balance, and seven, play great defense. I hope this helps you, my friend. If you know someone who could use this message, please send them this episode. I appreciate you, and I can't wait for next time. Until then, make it a great day. 